Well, if you can, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 9. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7 once again. This is where we have been camping these past few weeks of Advent. Um, you can find it on page 1072 of your pew Bibles. Uh, otherwise, we'll have the words on the screen for you as well. Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over, and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Thus ends our reading of God's authoritative word. May all who hear it find that they experience the great compassion of their everlasting Father. When my family and I were living in Thailand, one of the first things that we learned was how much love and affection that the Thai people had for their king. His name was and forgive me if I don't pronounce this right, Bumibol Aduliadej. Um, he was also known as Rama 9, the ninth in that line. But if you asked a, a Thai person, they would simply call him Paul, which means daddy. And the reason they called him this was, was because he was a king who put his people first. He thought about the welfare of his countrymen and, and acted accordingly. And so to them, he was like that compassionate father who, who loves his children dearly, always seeking their peace, always seeking their prosperity, always wanting what is best for his kids. And by the end of his 70-year reign, that's a long reign, this Rama 9 had earned their affection as well as the title Paw. This Advent season, we have been digging into this passage from Isaiah, and a passage which speaks to us of this child who is born to us, this son who is given. And we have been paying particular attention to, to the four names that this child would be called. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. 
On our first Sunday, we, we saw that this wonderful counselor would use his, his great wisdom to devise his plan of salvation, bringing hope to those who trust in him. And what was this plan? That he would take upon human flesh by becoming a man. And as a man, he would, he would fight our enemies for us. He would wage a war against sin, death, and the devil. And then last week, we looked to, the, to this second name, Mighty God. And we understood this child to be none other than, than Yahweh, the, the strong warrior who was capable of defeating those enemies, making it so that we can live securely in his kingdom. And because of his victory, we who are his people, we can rejoice once again. But the question remains... Would this wonderful counselor, would this mighty God remain with his people? Or would he just fade away, leaving his people to once again go without hope and without joy? Would he be like those judges of old, such as Gideon, heroes who were there for a time but then, but then died, leaving the people to repeat the cycle all over again? Or would he stay? Would he be that steadfast king, always there to protect, always there to give his words of wisdom? This is what we hope to discover today as we look to this third name, Everlasting Father. Now, the, the, the Hebrew word that is used here is abayad, and it is kind of an amalgamation of, of two words, ab and ad. Ab means father, and ad means perpetuity, or continuous, or eternal. And, and so what we have here in this, in this child is, is this one who is also a paternal figure who continues on forever. He is the everlasting father. So what does this mean? How, do, how does this title fit into the context of Isaiah 9? How would the people of Isaiah's day interpret this word, abayad? Back then, in, in a time when men were ruled by kings, often these kings would refer to themselves as the fathers of their people. And if said king was well-liked by his countrymen, then, then that same terminology would, would come off the lips of the, of the people as well. Calling him father was their way of showing that king affectionate reverence. Traditions such as this have been carried over to today as well. I mean, I, I mentioned to you earlier how the former king of Thailand was called Pa or Daddy by his people. Or think about men like George Washington and John Adams and, and Thomas Jefferson, all referred to as the founding fathers of our nation. These are terms of endearment, terms of respect. And yet we only speak this way about the men whom we consider to be great leaders, those who, who were willing to, to sacrifice for their people as they would their own children. This is what Isaiah was communicating about this child who was born to us. He would be this great ruler who puts his people ahead of himself. And because of that, his people would call him father. 
Look at, look at Psalm 103, verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. It is in this psalm where we witness the kind-hearted care of, of this benevolent king. Where we see his compassion come to light in its, in its many facets. For instance, when we look at the, the, the verses just prior to that, look, look at verses 8 through 12. We, we, we find this compassion of our Lord. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor, harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he, he has removed our transgressions from us. This everlasting father not only knows the sins of his people, but he shows his subjects great mercy by forgiving them. He, he removes their iniquities from his sight. Where he could have easily shown both his anger and his wrath, he, he chooses to forgive instead. But, but how can he do this? How can he simply wipe the slate clean and still be considered a just king? How can he remove our transgressions and still call himself good? Because this everlasting father is also our wonderful counselor who came up with the, with the wisest of plans to rescue his people. He, he became this child who was born to us who took upon human flesh and lived that sinless life that we could not. But instead of being rewarded for his perfection, he did what no one had expected. He willingly went to the cross. And it was there that he took upon the just penalty for our sins as he both suffered and died. And because he is also that mighty God, he was fully capable of pulling this off. This, this is how his people can receive such forgiveness. Why he does not treat us as our sins deserve. For the justice of God is fulfilled at the cross of Christ. But who are these people? Who are the ones who are shown such mercy? Who can be considered the children of this everlasting father? The, the answer is found in verse 11. Let's read that again. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. For those who fear him. What does it mean to fear God? What does it look like to have, have this reverent dread of the Almighty? The, the fear of the Lord is to have a posture of humility. It is to understand that, that, that your own will is sinful and worthy of judgment. And because of that, your will must be changed. It must be conformed to God's will. This is what it means to repent. It is to turn from your sins, 
from your, from your unbelief and to trust in him. It is to say to God, you know what is best more than I do. There is this misnomer out there that the grace of God comes cheap. That the Lord is just handing it out willy-nilly to, to, to anyone and to everyone. This is not the case. His grace is not cheap, but costly. For the price that was paid was his very life. And there's nothing cheap about our Savior. And so this forgiveness that is, that is offered, it is purchased at, at an exorbitant price. It is an expensive grace. And yet, it is given freely to those who fear God. To those who have repentant hearts. Listen to what Diedrich Bonhoeffer had to say about cheap grace. Cheap grace is, is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. This child who was born to us, this everlasting father wants to extend to you his infinite grace. But in order to receive it, you must first have the fear of the Lord. Turn from your sins and, and, and trust in him. And you will find this unmatched mercy. You will discover a, a forgiveness that removes your transgressions as far as the east is from the west. For this is the kind of compassion that this everlasting father extends to his people. To those who fear him. But why does he do this? Why is he so generous to those who don't deserve it? The same psalm gives us the answer. Look at verses 14 through 16. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a, a flower of the field, but the wind blows over it, and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. This everlasting Father knows how, how, how frail you truly are. That you are but dust. Here one minute and gone the next. That even if your, your lifespan extends past 100 years, it is, it is but a blink of an eye to him. Listen, we are a weak, weak people, feeble in nature, incapable of rescuing ourselves. And so it is out of, out of pity that this everlasting Father offers to us his forgiveness, his undeserved favor. Why does he forgive you? Because on your own, you are helpless. You are like the grass that just withers away. And yet, even though this is the case, even though you are but a flower of the field, unable to do anything about your condition, this compassionate Father finds value in you. For if he didn't, 
he wouldn't have given his life for you. You see, it's not just your neediness that motivates him. Look, look, at, look at the next verse. Look at verse 17. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Remember, he, he's not just called Father, but Everlasting Father. And he is the Everlasting Father because his love for you never ceases. Dear friends, do you see it? He, he is not like any other earthly king. Those, those rulers of old, men like David, men like Solomon, Kings who were loved by their people and in return were beloved. These men only lasted for a season. And when they died, when they had breathed their last, their love ceased. And what were the people left with? A fractured kingdom followed by a long succession of kings who were not so kind-hearted, not so compassionate. We see the same thing happening today. For instance, in Thailand, it was just four years ago that, that Rama 9 died. That the Thai people had lost their paw. And now they are, they are left with a son who, who, is, who is not so compassionate. Not so caring. Yet this child who was born to us, this everlasting father, his love never fails. Because he never leaves us. Not even death could defeat him. For this, this son who is given to us, he rose from the grave and is now reigning from his throne in heaven. And he will not abandon his children. He has an endless love for each and every one of them. For those who fear him, for those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts, they can rest assured that they will always have a home with their compassionate father. For his kingdom will never fail. Look back again at our passage from Isaiah 9. This time look at, look at verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on, on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. This everlasting father brings to his people an eternal kingdom. His dominion is forever. It is expansive and ever-expanding. And it is held together by his justice and his righteousness. It cannot be thwarted. And the reason that this kingdom is unending is because he himself is everlasting. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the Eternal One who is ever-present. And you... You who are his people need never worry, for his love for you 
is just as endless. His compassion will not diminish. He will always be by your side, upholding you, upholding you by the merit of his sinless life and by the penalty that he paid at the cross. For this is a covenant that he makes with you, that he makes with all who fear him and affectionately call him Father. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and he will be called Everlasting Father. Let us pray. Father, we are eternally grateful for your great, great compassion. The, the fact that you have removed our sins overwhelms us. May you grant to us a, a, a reverent fear of you. Pour within us a, a, a solid faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. May your Holy Spirit help us to, to conform to your will. And may we have that peace of mind that it can only come knowing that, that you will never leave us. That your love for us will never cease. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.